0: Hey everyone, my name is O.J. Tucker, host of the O.J. Tucker podcast, the only comedy tennis podcast that talks about a political and societal culture as a whole. My name is O.J. Tucker, as the name would suggest. Happy Thursday. Hopefully you guys are getting ready for your weekend, spending time with your family and friends, or hopefully spending time, time with your family and friends watching the European Open as well. There's a little bit of news that we can get into for today. We can get into Meghan McCain leaving the view uh and just her opinions on joy behar and will goldberg as a result for her leaving the view we can get into colin powell uh dying or being dead uh or dying on monday uh at the age of 84 due to covid and in terms of news within the tennis world we can get into andy murray versus francis tiafu at antwerp as well as getting into The unvaxed players that who that will be banned from the Australian Open and just my overall thoughts and opinions on all that So a pretty chill day only like a a slate of topics like three or four topics for today It's not gonna be as hectic as say other days because again You know, it's a Thursday, you know, not that many things happen in the span of two days uh, since I last talked to you guys on Tuesday, so uh, Let's just get right into the news for tennis. So right now Uh, It's been announced that unvaccinated players will be banned from competing at the Australian Open. So this is from Sky News Australia. Uh, World number one tennis player Novak Djokovic could miss out on competing at the Australian Open in 2022. Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews warned unvaccinated athletes were unlikely to be granted a visa to enter into the country to participate in, in in their sport. They will have to be vaccinated, he said after he was quizzed on whether unprotected sporting stars would be allowed into the state, I don't think the person you indicated, or any other tennis player, let's not personalize it, or golfer, or Formula 1 driver will ever, or will even get a visa to get here. Uh, The news can mean, and then I'm just taking it from Sky News, the news can mean men's world number one Djokovic would miss out on being the greatest tennis player of all time, as he is currently tied with Federer and Nadal on 20 grand slams each, he has not revealed whether he has been jabbed, but made his intentions clear on the coronavirus vaccine last year. I'm opposed to vaccination, and I wouldn't want to be forced by someone to take a vaccine in order to be able to travel, he said in April 2020. Uh, this week, he revealed he does not know if he would compete in Melbourne. I will not reveal my status, whether I have been vaccinated or not. It's a private matter and an inappropriate inquiry. Djokovic told the online edition of Serbian Daily, Balik, Balik I think that's the name, Uh, people go too far these days and taking the liberty to ask questions and judge a person whatever you say whatever you say yes no maybe i'm thinking about it they will take advantage djokovic has dominated the 2021 tour where he claimed three of the four slams the australian open wimbledon and french open and was a runner-up at the u.s open all right so here's my thing um so I, I've had some time to process this, and I know a lot of people on on the Reddits, on the Twitters, have already given their opinions on this matter. I know it's not uh, the sort of subject matter that we all want to discuss. I, you know, we want we want to discuss on the core tennis play, but again, you know, when you discuss things like this, uh, it does take precedent over say tennis because again, uh, this you, this is about the health and safety of tennis players. This is my overall opinion on this. I think it's up to you if you want to get vaccinated. I know that's not the advice that people want to hear. You know, I know that's not what people, you know, especially within the tennis circles want to hear from somebody. But I do think it should be a choice whether or not you want to get vaccinated. Right. And this idea that you need to be forced to be vaccinated to play a sport or to do anything that you want to do, I think we're setting ourselves a very, very dark road when it comes to that when it comes to essentially forcing people to take something in order to get back their essential liberties right i think that's a very dangerous and slippery slope that we're entering into because if it can happen to a tennis player an affluent tennis player or a person that has accomplished a lot in their tennis career or just in in their careers in general What could that mean for working class people who are sort of cautious about taking the vaccine, they're taking the right, uh, you know, they're taking it seriously, they're taking COVID seriously, but they just don't want to take the vaccine because of, you know, their own beliefs and own personal beliefs, maybe religious beliefs. Like, what does that say to them when they see a person like Novak Djokovic being forced to be vaccinated? So overall, I think it's a choice. I think it should be a choice for people to get vaccinated. And... You know, I know people don't want to hear that, but I I think it's true. I think this this idea that you need to force people to be vaccinated or else they can't be able to do what they want I I don't think that helps anybody. And, and more importantly, like, and and this is going to sound you know very 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 sad or whatnot, but I I think that right now I mean Novak Djokovic is a healthy individual. I mean he has a very rigorous diet. Uh, the vaccine if anything just mitigates the severity of the virus it doesn't mean that you're fully immune from it it doesn't mean that you still can't catch it it just means that it ruin it just mitigates or lessens the sort of volatility that the virus can be for your immune system so when you see a novak Djokovic, a healthy individual who has a gluten-free diet who eats very cautiously who plays and, and performs in, in peak physical shape he's not a person that is going to have a horrible case of the COVID, right? Like, understand that you know Novak Djokovic is far from getting a a very bad form of COVID. Like, it, he's not going to die because of the fact that he got COVID. All right, he's no colon Powell. All right, so like, understand that you know when we talk about the vaccine and when we discuss about who needs it the most, it's mostly older people. You know, it's mostly older people or people that have comorbidities or whatnot. And you know, it's not necessarily for individuals that are healthy, or for for you know, like for me, like when I see like health experts suggest that like extremely young people should get it, it's like okay, that's that's a little too much. That's that's a little too barbaric. I don't get me wrong. I think like we should all we should all recommend taking the vaccine. We should all suggest taking the vaccine, and we should all uh, recommend and and you know, sort of you know, do our due diligence. For, for, for people to get vaccinated but you know when you say that younger like people that are like five years of age that they need to get a vaccine it's like you no know, children are completely fine with covid like they're not getting covid so I, I don't know where that rationale is coming from but again like i want to be honest with you like i i don't i think it's a personal choice for people to get vaccinated i got vaccinated because you know i knew this was going to happen Uh, having, yeah, but you know, I do think that it's a choice to get vaccinated. And I think, you know, forcing people to get vaccinated, I I think it does more harm than good, you know, because it just leads into that road of having light fascist ideas and whatnot. So I, it's for me, like, like I'm very sort of privy to the subject. I'm very sort of sensitive to the subject because I know where this is heading. And I know that if, if you can't get into an arena unless you get vaccinated well it may pass down to going to a grocery store and and them asking you to uh, show them that you're vaxxed just to get into the grocery store you know so there is a slippery slope when it comes to forcing people to get vaccinated or else they won't be able to participate or perform or or whatnot so i want to say that very loud and clear i i think this this is a very dangerous path that we're entering into and i think um if, it, if this does happen, I think it's going to be a lot worse for, say, working class people than, say, for Novak Djokovic, right? Because, again, Novak Djokovic is doing pretty well. You know, he's affluent, he's rich. I feel like the rich can always bypass and, and, and sort of like find ways to circumvent rules and laws and regulations to better fit their needs. So it's not to say like, it's not to be like overly defending of Novak Djokovic, it's more to say like how this can affect working class people and how this can affect individuals who don't have that authority as say like a Novak Djokovic does. Now, having said all that, I think Novak Djokovic is acting like a diva. Two things can be true, right? Mandatory vaccinations is bad and it should not be supported whatsoever but at the same time, Novak Djokovic is also acting like a diva with his overall thought process when it comes to being vaccinated, right? And more importantly, I think this is what separates a Novak Djokovic from, say, a Michael Jordan or a Tom Brady, right? Like, And I know this, these are American stars, but like, bear with me here. If you're outside of America, maybe you'll understand this as well. Michael Jordan and Tom Brady would have gotten the vaccine by now and part of it is because they value the importance of helping out those that they love and that they support and more importantly being able to value the idea of winning and they take that as a precedent they value that more than anything else their their ability to win and their drive to win is what allows them to be one of the some of the best players in their respective sports and when you see Novak Djokovic say no to the vaccine and consistently say no to the vaccine, it does take away from his legacy. And I know not a lot of Novak Djokovic fans want to hear that, but it does because any other tennis player in this situation would take the vaccine because they understand that, you know what, whatever, the vaccine probably is, not is. I mean, it might be effective, it probably is effective Um but again like even though i don't need it i'll still take it because i value winning i value being able to win that 21st grand slam and and put my and cement myself within tennis history as being the winningest player in the sport of tennis but he doesn't have that opinion and he's not having that mindset when it comes to him preparing for the australian open so two things can be true right again as i've said before Force vaccinations are not good and they should not be happening. But on the other hand, Novak Djokovic, you know, denying vax vac- being vaccinated, I think that's not good. And I think that it's something that he needs to change because if he doesn't, then it's going to he's going to be in this perpetual cycle of of whether or not he can or cannot be playing, right? Like I think that that's my overall opinion on all of this. I think Novak Djokovic is entering into a part of his career where he can really make a difference in tennis, right? He's already made a lot of difference in tennis, don't get me wrong, but what I, what I mean by that is cementing himself as the GOAT in tennis. He's already done in my eyes, but in terms of, you know, having the Grand Slams, he still needs one more, and then he's off to the races to, you know, being the tennis GOAT. The thing is, is that it's hard for me to really support you when you're finding every which way to be petty and not really understanding that your drive to win and your drive to success, you know, means that you will do anything, if not everything, to get there. You know, the reason why Brady is why why Brady is well, no, the reason why Brady is one of the best to ever do it is because he will put himself through the fire to be the best. You know, he'll like rile up his teammates to say, you know, we're, we're not done yet. You know, even though we've won all this and we've had this many accolades, we still have so much left to do, you know, and, and that's what makes Brady that successful. I mean, listen, I don't think Brady is that happy about getting vaccinated, but he got vaccinated because he's like, you know what? I want to help out my teammates. How can I help out my team? And, and that's what separates a Novak Djokovic from a Tom Brady, is the lack of being selfish in, within Brady. You know, Michael Jordan would have easily taken the vaccine. You know, a Kyrie Irving probably isn't, because you know why? Kyrie Irving is nothing like that of Michael Jordan. Kyrie Irving is nothing like that of, say, a person that wants to succeed and win and want to help out his other teammates. And Novak Djokovic right now, he's not acting like a Federer. He's not acting like Rafa Nadal. He's acting like Kyrie Irving. He's acting like a player who, who acts like he's the best, but he still finds ways to tumble over. And he still finds ways to not really show himself as a good ambassador for the sport of tennis, but more importantly, not, not a good ambassador of winning. And that's what's going to be taken away from with Novak Djokovic if he continues to refuse to get vaccinated. And, and it really sucks to like say this because I have so much respect and so much love and appreciation for Novak Djokovic, and he's meant so much with the sport of tennis. And, and to diminish that, I feel like it's not telling the full story. But I see a person who continues to show his ass and, and, sh- and not value what we've come to expect from Novak Djokovic throughout his career. and and that's something that needs to be addressed it needs to be solved and i don't know what's next for novak you know he might be performing he might be playing even though he he's unvaccinated who knows i tweeted that out on on monday uh that i think he's going to compete even though he's unvaxxed because again he brings ratings for the sport uh he brings eyeballs to the sport you you don't shelter that uh in a tournament they'll find some way to finagle his way into playing if he continues to be unvaccinated. But man, oh man, it's going to get darker by the day. This story is not going to end whatsoever. So keep an eye out for this because it's not going to end. It's going to get worse. If Novak Djokovic continues this, it's going to be like Kyrie Irving's news, but times 10 because he has so much of more of a global influence on the sport and it's going to be very bad. So just beware of that. be aware aware of of this continuing to to circulate within the news and it's going to get mainstream attention sooner than later i mean i've seen it on the front page of the r4 slash tennis reddit but it's going to get worse before it gets any better so so bear in mind that when when this happens uh because believe me it's this is not good for the sport um and and i hopefully i have a more nuanced opinion on this than say like uh, other people that have been talking about it. I think forced vaccinations are bad, but at the same time, like I, I think if you're a tennis player, you do anything, if not everything, to succeed. Because again, like that's what separates the best players from the not so best players, is their drive to succeed and their and their ability and their and their mindset before each and every match to play. Like that match is their last match, and I, I'm not seeing that with Novak Djokovic right now. So that's just my overall opinion on all of that. Uh hopefully hopefully he gets vaccinated because it, this story is going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. So yes, I I want to say that. All right. Um hopefully I I spent enough time uh discussing that because um it, it it's it, this is not good at all. Uh, all right. Let's get into our next bit of tennis news for today. Uh, Let's get into a little bit of light-hearted news. Uh, Andy Murray has won against Francis Tiafu at Antwerp, Belgium, the European Open. 7-6, 7-2 was a tie-breaking set. 6-7, 7-9 was a tie-breaking set. 7-6, 10-8 was a tie-breaking set. The match was great. Having said all that, it lasted for too long. It was 3 hours and 40 minutes. It, it was a long match. It, it was one of those matches where, honestly, if you didn't watch it, I don't blame you. I watched certain parts of it, especially the third set. And, um, yeah, it was it was good. It was it was a very nice win for Andy Murray. Honestly, it was a very stellar win for Andy Murray. I'm very happy that Andy Murray won. And, you know, he won against an opponent that is fairly competitive. I mean, he won against an opponent, uh, Francis Tiafu who beat... Stefano Sitsipas in the first round of Wimbledon, a person who reached all the way to, say, the fourth round, I would say, fourth round uh, of the U.S. Open. I think he lost to Ogier Aliassim. So, I mean, Francis Tiafu is a great tennis player. And the fact that Andy Murray, with his surgical hip and with a disc uh, in his lower body, the fact that he was able to beat Francis Tiafu, I mean, that's just amazing to see. You know, it's very nice to see a person a person who's within the big four uh, really thrive and, and, and to still do well, despite all the injuries and setbacks that he's had in the past two, three years, the fact that he's able to beat Francis Tiafu, I mean, that was just amazing, amazing to see. And yes, even though this year has been, has been filled with ups and downs for Andy Murray, I still think that Andy Murray can still be competitive as of this moment in time. He may not win a grand slam. He name he may not win uh, a major, but I still think that he has the tools in the in the shed to at least outlast opponents that are favored to win. And Andy Murray is one of those players that has shown previously that he's willing to go to the task and willing to go down to the mat to play the best tennis that he can possibly can, and more importantly, be competitive against players that. Um, more often than not, have better skills than that. Vanny Murray in the year 2021. So yeah, I mean, this was a great match to watch. Uh, again, three tie-breaking sets. Right, think about that. Like three tie-breaking sets. Again, it was not a, a, a short match whatsoever. Three hours and forty minutes. That's like the time span of like a baseball game. It, it's 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 a long. It, it, it's. I don't know what the ATP needs to do to make these matches shorter, but uh, yeah, maybe I don't I don't know what they do, what what they can do. I mean, they have uh, a clock, uh, like a shot clock for timing your first serve or whatnot. So they're trying to do what they can, but overall, uh, I feel like it's one of those sports where it's going to take a longer time. It's going to take a long time for it to start, for it to finish, and um, that's something that. It's just ingrained with the sport of tennis, so I don't know what's going to be the solution for it. But um, again, it, this was one of those matches where, again, just going back to the match because I can go on and on and on about the pace of play when it comes to this, when it comes to tennis. But this was one of those matches where it really showed you that Andy Murray still has a lot of gas in the tank. He may not win, but Andy Murray, when he's playing. It's it's one of the one of the best things to ever see, it really is. I, I put it up there with anybody, you know. When you see his aces, when you see his ability to maneuver on the court, I mean, you can put that up with Federer, honestly. Like I think his ability to go from the net back to the baseline, to uh, hitting passing shots, to his ability to to get lobs within the confines of the court, all of that. Uh, no one can ever really muster compared to that of Andy Murray. I mean, he's one of those players that you really have to um, keep an eye out for, honestly. I mean, it goes without saying because he has won three majors. He's won Wimbledon twice in the US Open once. So he's one of those—he's he's an individual that you've got to keep an eye out for because any match that he plays in can be an upset for Andy Murray. It, it's one of those things where you got to really— watch out for this man because again he's just an amazing tennis player first and foremost I mean look at the aces 21 aces to Tiafu's eight. uh he also had uh three breakpoints points one again same old, so much of that of uh, Francis Tiafu um again like that's what separated uh, Andy Murray from Francis Tiafu was just the was just the aces I mean that's that's the one point where you have all the control over that's the one part of tennis that you have all control over, actually, uh, because again, you have no idea as to whether or not your opponent hit a hit a pace or added pace to the ground, to his ground stroke. You have no idea as to whether or not he had a slice to his ground stroke. Being able to toss that ball up in the air and hit it to the best of your ability is is one of the things that makes you realize that serving is the one thing that gives you the most control or you have the most control over. And, you know, when you see Andy Murray having 21 aces, it's like, oh, like, being able to win a point starts way sooner sooner than later. And Andy Murray continues to prove that with each and every ace that he hits. And that's a great, great thing that we've been seeing of Andy Murray as of late is his ability to understand that to be able to win a point, just win it as soon as possible. And those little wins here and there those aces add up more often than not and you see that within a tiebreaker you see that within those tiebreaking sets I mean there were certain aces that were done within the tiebreaking sets that really gave him the upper hand because you know tiafu did not know and did not know any which way to counteract that whatsoever so it was all good you know I I think this is one of those matches where you're gonna watch um at the end of the year and be like oh man like this is one of not one of the best matches of the year but in contention uh, for one of the best matches of the year in terms of the best matches of the year um, and I probably will be uh, covering it in December because December is a slow month for the sport of tennis for tennis so I don't know what's going to be my best uh, tennis match of the year it probably will be a few I would say the Karatsev uh, Karatsev, Djokovic, Serbia Open. Uh, maybe Carlos Alcaraz, Sitsabas, U.S. Open. Nadal, Djokovic, Italian Open final or French Open semifinal. Um, again, that's just three off the top of my head, four off the top of my head. Um, I'll do like a top five, right? Like I'll do top five matches, top five players, top five tennis moments. Um... Maybe another one, I'm I'm, not so sure. Top five, yeah, maybe that's about it. Uh, top five tennis tournaments, maybe, if I didn't already say that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just overall, like, cool to see Andy Murray win. You know, because, again, I'm such a massive fan of Andy Murray. Uh, I've made that abundantly clear on this podcast. Uh, I'm still going to make it clear today. I mean, I would not be here doing this podcast if it wasn't for Andy Murray winning the 2013 Wimbledon final. I would not be doing this podcast if it wasn't for him. So, um, yeah, just that's just overall uh, my thoughts and opinions on Andy Murray winning uh, against Francis Tiafu, Oh, I forgot. 3-all, uh, 30-15 second set. It was the best point in the entire match. Andy Murray was able to hit a backhand passing shot as Francis Tiafu tried to get him near the net. But uh, Andy Murray just got the best of him, was able to get a passing shot down to the two-score uh, with a backhand. And uh, was able to get the point, was able to get the winner, and I thought that was the best point in the entire match for Andy Murray. And uh, basically, like, uh, a point that really illustrated in detail what the rest of the match would be like for Andy Murray. So, um, yeah, congrats to Andy Murray for winning the European uh, that European match against Francis Diafu. He's playing against Diego Schwartzman, I think, today. Or tomorrow. I'm filming this on a Wednesday by the way so I'm sorry if you're hearing this a day late but uh, I film all my, all my podcasts the day before I release them so uh, I think he's playing against Schwartzman today and I uh, that'll be a match that I'll be uh, in tune with so yeah uh, congrats to uh, Andy Murray for uh, winning against Francis Tiafu. Alright um, let's get into news outside of the tennis world. Uh, Colin Powell former Secretary of State under George W. Bush has passed away at the age of 84 due to complications with the coronavirus Um, so if you guys don't know Colin Powell Secretary of State under Bush uh, between the years 2001 to 2005 uh, he was the first black Secretary of State and um, that's all I know about him and honestly that's what anybody really knows about him as well um i'm not going to be the one that like craps on the dead you know uh i'm not i don't think that's a very healthy way of looking at things i don't i think you got to be honest about their legacy you got to be honest about what they left behind um again you, you should never sort of like I don't know. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna be like, oh, he was the best person ever, you know. Um, because it's Colin Powell. Let's be honest with you. He was a part of the neoconservative agenda. He was part of PNAC. He was an individual that essentially did the bidding of Israel and Saudi Arabia, while also uh, the deep state and the CIA to sort of put U.S. troops in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, he was very supportive of every decision that came from George W. Bush. Uh, he was. He was a person that. In my opinion was a monster honestly like he was he was not he was a very you know he was a very vile individual uh and you know they sort of used identity politics to sort of act as if he was better than what he was but in reality he was just he was just as bad as say george w bush and whatnot he may not have been making the decisions like george w bush or rumsfeld or cheney but he was definitely a bad uh bad individual so i mean it's kind of, kind of difficult to really, you know, discuss uh, Colin Powell because um, on one hand, I don't want to be like, uh, I don't want to, you know, be like overly like celebratory of a death because, again, it's somebody's death. But at the same time, I'm not going to act like he's the greatest person of all time because he wasn't. He was, he was a, a neocon through and through. He was very supportive uh, of spreading democracy. I use that in quotes for anybody listening. Um in areas in middle eastern countries that didn't have that uh so again i i don't really understand where the mainstream media consensus is on colin powell because it it doesn't seem like they should be supporting him whatsoever because they were crapping on colin powell like 10 20 years ago again like this is the same person that like uh was with george bush when all that crap happened so again like I don't see why people within mainstream media is really supportive or really happy or not happy, but really, uh, uh, act, acting as if he was like the best person ever. Cause he wasn't, um, having said that, I know people on Twitter, uh, liberals on Twitter or like leftists on Twitter that are like, you know, being supportive of, of Colin Powell dying and actually like, you know, finding pleasure in it. And it's like, if you're finding pleasure in somebody's death, you're just a loser, honestly. Like you're such a loser for just doing that. You can make jokes, like again, I'm a comedian. You should make jokes about it, but like to like be happy about somebody's death, that that's like very low lowbrow, honestly. So it, Colin Powell leaves a very interesting legacy behind because on one hand, like he was the first black secretary of state, but on the other, he was he used that power to essentially enable the wars policies, and I don't think uh, you can really discuss identity politics without discussing Colin Powell. I mean, he was the king of identity politics. You know, Colin Powell, Condoleezza Rice, you know, girl boss CEOs that we've come to know known in corporations all across America and all across the world. They are notorious for acting like they care about people, their own gender, their own race. But in reality, they just forward their own profits and care about their own quarterly earnings and that's that's essentially what identity politics is for you you know people that act like they're they're about the cause for people that look similar to what they look like but in reality they just continue the same policies that their predecessors have had and have continued to disenfranchise people within their own communities and with their own race and gender and 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 religion so colin powell dead at the at the age of 84 due to covid uh People don't mention the fact that he was vaccinated despite dying due to COVID. So again, like, again, it doesn't make you fully immune from getting COVID. You know, like, understand that you're still going to get COVID despite being vaxxed. So when I hear individuals say, like, you know, like, it must be mandatory to get vaccinated. It's like, okay, you can get, if you want to make vaccines mandatory, go ahead. But it's not gonna. It's you're not gonna be as healthy as you might think you are, right? Like again, I'm against mandatory vaccinations, but okay, let's run it through, and let's see as as whether or not COVID rates are spiking or not. Because if you really care about COVID cases, COVID cases will still be going up and up and up and up. It may uh, sort of decrease hospitalizations, but the overall COVID cases will still go up, even if you force vaccinations and get people to to. Live life as if it was like February 2020. So again, like understand, like forced vaccinations. It's it's going to like still have. There's still going to be COVID despite COVID vaccines being readily available and having 99% of the country still have a COVID vaccine or, or receive two shots of the COVID vaccine. You're still going to get um, COVID despite getting the vaccine, and we, we've seen it with Colin Powell. Again, this is all backed by science, by the way. So what I'm saying to you. Uh, understand that I've done my like like research about it so again because I know I got some comments on the last podcast episode um, about it so uh, I I wanted to like make it clear as to what I truly believe in uh, because people can just twist and turn your opinions any which way and they can report your videos it's a very sort of doggy dog world on the YouTube uh, platform so yeah it's it's, 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 it's something, you know, but yeah, it, that's overall like Colin Powell is just like an individual that no, no, I mean, he didn't bring any good news while off while in office. He was there to fit an agenda and he did it well. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's Colin Powell for you. Uh, I mean, Donald Trump really had one of the best emails ever. I think he sent it on through his mailing list so it says october 19 2021 statement by donald j trump the 45th president of the united states he's he's still grifting that he's the 45th president of the united states which he is but he's he's not saying former so he's still grifting to stop this deal i'm assuming so he says wonderful to see colin powell who made big mistakes on iraq and famously so-called weapons and mass destruction be treated in death so beautifully by the fake news media Hope that happens to me someday. He was a classic rhino, if even that. Always being the first to attack other Republicans, he made plenty of mistakes. But anyway, may he rest in peace. Couldn't have said it better myself, Donald Trump. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, Very, honestly, like, this is the first time I ever heard Donald Trump really mention his own mortality. Which I thought that was very eye-opening. And also, yeah, I mean, I think the mainstream media will uh, think of Donald Trump as, like, A great person you know when he dies honestly like i I wouldn't put it past the mainstream media i mean they acted like uh george w bush was a great person 20 years after uh his presidency uh some some people may say oh you know he just continued the establishment's bidding he just continued the neoconservative neoliberal uh apparatus or uh, agenda and yeah he certainly did but again he was not uh loved by the media during his time in office so i feel like that may happen to donald trump as well and, you know, in terms of Donald Trump, like, let's be honest here. I mean, he acted like he was a populist, but he just did the bidding of Israel. You know, like, like he was just, he, he was a hardcore Zionist through and through. He did the bidding of Israel. Uh, more importantly, uh, he acted like he was, he was like anti-establishment and whatnot. But again, he, he passed the tax cuts bill. He was a fake populist. And he just continued what Obama and what George W. Bush before him did as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's just... That's what you. That's what you got. You got like Mitt Romney, who was a savage on Twitter. That that's Donald Trump for you. Mitt Romney, but had a few tweets that uh, really upset the establishment. And uh, overall, I think he's gonna. If Donald Trump dies, or when Donald Trump dies, because we're all gonna die someday, uh, I think the mainstream media will also do a 180 and be like, "Oh no, he was pretty good." Uh, Honestly, he was a standard run-of-the-mill Republican who LARPed and acted and grifted uh, as somebody who wasn't a a Republican or wasn't a establishment Republican because he was an establishment Republican through and through. So um, yeah, that's just my overall opinion on um, Donald Trump and more importantly on Colin Powell as well. Um, Again, you know, a lot of people within that wing of the party are slowing dying down. You know, I mean, it's, Rumsfeld, it's Colin Powell, sooner than later it's going to be Cheney, it's going to be, uh, I don't know, I don't know who's going to go first either, it's kind of Lisa Rice or George W. Bush, Uh, I think by the looks of things it might be Bush, who knows, I mean who knows what's going to happen to that era of American politics, but I'll be honest with you, like discussions about politics back in the day, like back in like the early to mid 2000s, they feel way more substantive than that of right now because they were actually like, actively like, talking about important things like war and, you know, the military industrial complex. And don't get me wrong, those discussions still happen today. But now it's moved on more to the culture war. And um, yeah, it's we're, we're politics is done. And if you vote, you're gay, you know, so uh, voting is gay. You know, it's one of those things where I used to vote, you know, I voted in the 2020 election, I wrote in Ron Paul, but voting is gay. You know it's one of the gayest things you could ever do and you know to think that one one of the other candidates want to change your life somehow some way unless if it's not a person outside of the establishment uh it, you're 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 living in a world of la la land so yeah voting is gay nothing's going to change whatsoever in this country and you saw with the last three presidents i mean the last three presidents acted like they want or the last two presidents uh, acted like they wanted to withdraw troops from, from iraq troops are still within iraq uh, I know Barack Obama like sort of technically withdrew troops in like 2010, 2011, but he still put them in and we're still bombing them despite uh, taking troops out of Iraq. So it's like nothing ever changes. You know, nothing will ever change in this country. All you got to focus on is focusing on your family members, your friends, making sure that they're doing well and uh, helping them out the best you can and really creating a, a strong ecosystem around you of people that can help you out and that you can help those individuals out as well. Because these politicians, they're not going to help you out whatsoever. You know, people in, in office will not help you out. The government will not help you out. You need a strong support system or be financially wealthy. Those are the only two options where you can really succeed in today's world, is either having a strong support system or being financially independently independently wealthy. Only two ways that you can really do well in America. Uh, to act like the government will, uh, will act in the best interest for you, uh, it is not the case whatsoever. So, yeah, I'm. I know I'm sounding like libertarian. I'm not, but I'm just being honest with you. Like you, you're going to succeed either through a strong support system or being financially financially independently wealthy. You're, that's your only two options in in this world. So, uh, so understand that and and sort of prioritize your way to making sure that that can be a reality for you. So, yeah. That's my opinion on all of that. that. Uh, Colin Powell, Dead 84, I don't know why I got into that uh, on, on the death of some person. But again, you know, when you think about mortality, when you think about your own death, when you think about the future, uh, you know, it makes you realize the importance of really putting your all into what you truly love and enjoy. And more importantly, putting your all into family and spending time with friends. And that's why. Uh, I kind of make that a rite of passage whenever I discuss or whenever I talk about or whenever I introduce myself or introduce the podcast each and every day, you know, to, you know, talk about, you know, the importance of family and friendship and to talk about the importance of of, uh, doing something that, you know, can help you out in the long run, you know, all that is so important, because who knows, you know, one day, some bad, some something horrible can happen to you or to your family members, it could be an illness, it could be a death. It could be uh, some vice that you know some some family member of yours is currently going through, or maybe has relapsed. It's one of those things where you got to realize, where you got to understand the importance of, of family and friendship, and understand the importance of doing something that you love and knowing that you can can really succeed in that endeavor. So yeah, um, very existen- very existential uh for this podcast. I did not expect that to to go like that. So uh, yeah. That's my 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 uh overall thoughts on Colin Powell's death and uh again I have I have no remorse for him but I have no love or uh no no uh interest in, in, in sort of going after him while the corpse is still uh cold. So yeah. All right, let's get into Megan McCain going after Joy Behar and Whoopi Goldberg. So if you guys don't know, uh, Meghan McCain has left the view, and she basically gave like a tell-all, I would say, in her upcoming book, uh, Closet Republican. I think that's the name of the book, Closet Republican, or Shy Republican. Something something, something with Republican in it. Uh, but it, it, basically she had some excerpts experts in it uh, that went after Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar, uh, this is from Variety, so I'm just saying it right from what's on the screen right here. Uh, Whoopi what cut me off, sometimes harshly. Once in the middle of a heated debate on live TV, Whoopi singled me out and said, Girl, please stop talking right now. It instantly trended on Twitter, and it really hurt. Another time she answered something I said by blurting out, Okay, in a tone that declared that she was both baffled and disgusted by what I just said. This reaction also went viral and left a scar on our re- relationship. Day after day, week after week, these things take a toll. Girl with a thicker spine, Reckon McCain. Like, honestly, like, just because somebody says, girl, please stop talking right now doesn't mean they you got to th- be in an emotional fit. Like, I'm sorry. Like, like you got to, like, have a thicker spine than that because the world is way worse than what you just had to go through by, what, by your account of what Whoopi Goldberg said about you the world is filled with darkness and despair and depravity, and and people shouting out things at you and, and going after you and whatnot. You just gotta grow a thicker spine. I mean, what's what is what in the world are you really mad about? Again, like way worse has probably been said about Megan McCain than what um, Whoopi Goldberg said on Twitter. Uh, you can't imagine how it messes with your self-esteem. Work working in an environment where the worst thing you can be in the world is a Republican during the Trump years. As the country got worse under Trump, the treatment from Whoopi Joy and some of the staff grew meaner and less forgiving. It was as if I had become an avatar for everything they hated about the president. It felt like the co host and Stefan staff only knew one Republican, me, and took all <laughs> and took out all their anger on me, even though I didn't even vote for Trump. Oh my god, oh my God. It's just like so much cattiness between the view. I mean, honestly, like I wish I ran this through because I would have I would have easily wanted to talk more about Andrew Yang's the forward party than say Megan McCain on the View. I'm like man, oh man, like what is happening? I mean, you, I mean, Megan, you can't be this sensitive. You can't be this sensitive about people like just growing colder and colder on you. Like again, like welcome to life. Like like if you don't have coworkers that are sort of cold to you or somewhat like unresponsive to what you're doing or, or not really cordial with you, like welcome to life. Like, this is, like, every standard office environment. Like, I'm sorry that people didn't like you because you're a Republican. Uh, that should not happen. I get it. Like, but again, like, this is just life. And, and this is just, like, part of the deal. Like, again, I'm not supporting it. Like, we should all be, uh, you know, helpful and friendly with one another, especially in the work environment and, and, and work settings. But again, like, this is life. Like, understand that, like, like this is going to happen like if you're a person that has difference of opinions with other people best believe you're going to get hate on Twitter and on YouTube and whatnot so it's like what are we even like complaining about here uh again she would go on to say after my dad died uh she yeah I, after my dad died I heard joy had told others at the, at the view that she couldn't understand how I could still defend Republicans after everything Trump has done to me why was that something she had to worry about? I got separate the two. I could separate Trump from being a Republican. And by the way, that was my job on the show. It's also how the great political analysts survived the ups and downs of each administration. The View wouldn't have had the ratings that it, that it did during my four years if I was like the conservative co-host who succeeded Elizabeth Hasselbeck. Those women agreed with everyone and nodded politely. The woman who once voted Republican and came to find nothing except the ability to trash the party and its members at every possible opportunity. Oh, my God. It's like the view is one of the cattiest things ever. Like it's I have no idea what the average demo is for them. Maybe it's like 50 to 60 year old conservative women or like like 70 year old like conservative women on their deathbed or in a nursing home maybe that's the average demo like people that can't switch the channel that are like physically immobile from like getting up from their bed and like getting their remote and changing the t- channel maybe that's the people who is the average demo for the view but um yeah you know like cripple people that are in nursing homes um, but overall it's like you can't be this sensitive honestly like and i remember like Read like watching a video of like i think lisa kudrow where she had a book and she like conservatives are being silenced and you would just see her like going to like a local barnes and noble and then like a book tour and like like getting speaking fees and then like as the money got more and more and more she would just continue to say conservatives are being silenced while 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 still making bank it gets like megan mccain has that very similar vibe to me like a fatter like less attractive lisa kudrow who is only was a part of the view because of her dad let's be honest here like if you want to talk about nepotism you know people often just often say bollywood you know the hindi film industry is filled with nepotism you know people want to say that uh you know even hollywood is full of nepotism you know i understand that uh but look no further than that of politics i mean politics is that of nepo nepoland. land i mean whether it's in the indian pol- political scene with uh Uh, rahul gandhi or whether it's american political scene with the clintons and bushes uh, now with trump as well with ivanka trying to run as a senator in florida or thinking about running as a senator for For in florida i mean all of it is just nepotism and and honestly like that's what i think of of uh, not Whoopi goldberg meghan mccain you know a person that succeeded because of her father and brings it up each and every time that uh she has the ability to you know, I mean, honestly, like, Tim Dillon's video on Meghan McCain still rings true today as it did two years ago, or a year ago. I mean, it, it's, 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 he's right, man, like, she, she's just such a catty per I mean, everybody on The View is, is catty, and I don't know why anybody watches it. I mean, Anna Navarro looks like a pig. I mean, Joy Behar, uh, Whoopi Goldberg... Uh, I don't know how anybody can listen to them Uh they go they just follow whatever the DNC whatever the Democratic Party tells them to say so it's like wh- what's happening here like wh- what's going on here like why is this still doing well why do people still watch it uh, it all makes no sense to me whatsoever and honestly like I, I pray for America that they find better content or better shows to watch than that of the view because you're losing brain cells you're taking your brain cells and, and cracking it open on on a on a oven on a, on a skillet for it to like cook. That's what you're doing to your brain. So, so you're taking an egg and just plopping it on a skillet and, and eating it as the egg is like as the yolk is running out. That that's what you're doing to your brain when you're watching the view. Um, I don't know what you should watch. Maybe Breaking Points. Maybe that. You know, I I, I kind of like Breaking Points. Haven't been watching Crystal and Sagar lately, but um, go check them out. You know, I mean, there are way better options for you to get your news and your information and political commentary than that of say, Megan McCain on on the View, because uh, her opinions are just that of a standard Republican, maybe a little bit more uh, socially liberal, but overall, it, it's just like you—you—that's what you're getting from Megan McCain. You know, like a person that uh, is just saying Republican talking points and, and doesn't move away from the script. Um, but, yeah, I mean, everybody on The View is just, like, so, so much of a pain to get through. I, I mean, I remember hearing Anna Navarro on uh, on Bill Maher. Like, apparently, like, Margaret Cho went after went after George Bush and called him a war criminal and whatnot. And, by the way, like, she was right. Margaret Cho was right. And then Anna Navarro out of nowhere is like, oh, you can't talk about, you know, George Bush as that. You know, I know him. He's a friend. It's like, yeah, but he's still a war criminal. It's like two things can be true. He can be your friend, but he also tortured innocent brown people in Guantanamo. It's like, like yeah, he's he's, he's a war criminal. He's a person that, uh, you know, sent troops overseas and killed a bunch of innocent people uh to strip natural resources from the area. That's to George Bush is. I'm sorry that he's your friend, but he's also a, a bad person as well. It's like, come on. Like, Anna Navarro is one of, like, the... Oh, my God. I think she's the worst one on The View. Honestly, I think Anna Navarro might be the worst one on The View. I only know, like, three or four people uh, on The View. Like, that's Joy Behar, Whoopi Goldberg, and uh, Anna Navarro, Sarah Haynes. I think Sarah Haynes is still on The View. But, again, it's like, what are we doing here? Like, why are we watching this? Change the channel. For all the older people that are listening to this podcast episode, uh, I know you're not, because why would you? But... Change the channel, watch something else. Help out yourself with something more productive. You know, reconnect with your family. Stop watching the View. You know, love yourself. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's 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 about it with uh, Megan McCain and the View. Grow a thicker thicker spine, man. Grow a thicker spine. Honestly, grow a thicker spine. You're gonna have people that hate you uh, for being conservative. Welcome to life, though. I'm sorry. Welcome to life. I mean, if you're gonna have opinions that stray away from the establishment, then you're gonna get hated. Uh, By a certain sector of people. But again, I'm sure there are a lot of people that are Meghan McCain fans that, you know, love the Federalist, that love the Daily Wire, that love Meghan McCain's opinions on politics and whatnot. So it's like, just value your fan base. Value your base and everything else will follow. So, I mean, that's just my overall opinion on all of this. Hopefully, Meghan McCain can go through this. Uh, My thoughts and prayers for Meghan McCain for her difficult time. Uh, I'm sure it was difficult making a lot of money uh, working for ABC uh you know so my thoughts and prayers go out to megan mccain during this difficult time um anyway that's all the time i have for today guys thank you so much for watching thank you so much for listening i don't know what i'll be covering on tuesday maybe it's going to be tennis maybe it's going to be things about our political and societal culture but i'll see you guys on tuesday make sure you like subscribe and click the bell icon for notifications down below uh make sure you subscribe to my podcast clips channel my podcast channel uh as well as uh rating reviewing and subscribing on my itunes uh, on itunes and if you're listening to it on whatsapp or if you're uh if you're on whatsapp make sure you spread the word on whatsapp as well i think it'd be great it'd be clutch if you guys did that and uh, that's all the time I have. So, guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, enjoy your book. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Avoid the bookings. And, um, yeah, just have a great weekend spending time with your family and friends and watching tennis along the way. So, guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you guys on Tuesday. All right, guys. Peace. See you all.